Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Rick Shapiro is with us, a former practicing attorney, leading consultant, researcher, and educator in the field of safe, evidence-based, integrative, and alternative cancer treatments, and the author of Hope Never Dies, How 20 Late-Stage and Terminal Cancer Patients Beat the Odds. Before the break, Rick, you were telling us about various alternative treatments, including uh, supplements and nutrition. Uh, Give us a couple of others, and then I want to dive into some of the case studies in the book. Absolutely. Well, as we mentioned, nutritional protocols, supplementation programs are critical, tailored to the individual. Uh, Additionally, mind-body strategies, which is a little bit different than attitude, and mind-body is really important, and mind-body can mean lots of things to different people. Uh, It helps reduce stress, reduces anxiety, fear, and depression. It can be related to meditation, music, prayer, humor, stress relaxation techniques, but mind-body is important. And uh, exercise. Exercise is a very important uh, approach, which anybody can really use, and it it helps to reduce the decline of muscle mass. It helps bring oxygen-rich blood to the tissues. It reduces fatigue. It reduces nausea. It helps people sleep better. So exercise regimens, mind-body strategies, tailored supplementation programs, uh, and also the nutritional oncological programs. And there's a ton of research out there, a ton of research, epidemiological studies, case studies, case reports, clinical research that attests to the fact, and I'm not shy about saying the fact, that these particular approaches, Richard, can be profoundly beneficial integratively with a standard of care program or alternatively in some cases to save lives and extend lives. And just in brief, what do, these, what do these things do? They enhance the immune system. They mitigate internal inflammation, and inflammation is a cancer driver. They help regulate something called apoptosis, and apoptosis is a concept known as programmed cell death. And what that really means is making sure cancer cells die when they're supposed to so they don't live and grow and grow. These things also inhibit something called angiogenesis, and angiogenesis is the process where blood cells feed cancer and bring it fuel. So we want to mitigate the growth of these blood, ve- blood vessels to cancer. It helps detox the body, uh, regulates blood glucose because cancer is a glutton for glucose, sugar. We want to regulate those things so it's in the normal range, not in a high accelerated range. And it brings about all kinds, it brings about epigenetic changes, which means it upregulates the expression of tumor suppressor genes, genes that attack cancer, and it downregulates oncogenes. And these are genes that promote cancer. Just a quick moment on that. Everybody has a set of genes that they're born with. You can't change your genes, but you can influence, and there are studies that prove this. You can influence whether those genes are turned on or turned off. And a lot of these alternative complementary therapies can bring about those changes, and there are lots of studies that attest to these facts. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you dive deep into the research, but there is also, I'm guessing, you've, you've stumbled onto a lot of quackery out there that we have to be cautious about. Um, I mean, how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? Because we hear things like, you know, hydrogen peroxide kills cancer cells and can cure pancreatic cancer and so forth. We hear this practically every month. There's some different new treatment. How do you separate the quackery from efficacious alternative cancer treatments? That's a great question because I detest people who are charlatans, who are quacks, who take advantage of the vulnerable with so-called therapies and treatments that are going to be helpful. 
And when you are told you have cancer, you'll do just about anything to keep living. So, I mean, quite honestly, it's not easy to do. Of course, if you go to lots of cancer conferences, you can discern what works and what doesn't work. But if you also research the studies, uh, there's a website called pubmed.gov, P-U-B-M-E-D.gov, which has 27 million studies. It's, it's uh, under the supervision of the National Institute of Health. I don't expect people to go there and do lots of research. But anytime anyone says they have a one-off cancer-killing protocol, one particular herb, one particular botanical, one particular device, 99.99% of the time, those one-off approaches don't work. It requires a multifaceted, systemic approach with the things I just discussed, nutritional supplementation, exercise, mind-body, and even something called progressive chemo, which we can talk about, which is not generic chemo in some cases. And when you have experts, expert integrative oncologists, integrative cancer doctors, naturopaths who specialize in oncology. And these are the types of people you should talk to, not just somebody who threw up a website. When you have this multifaceted approach with, with sophisticated experts who look at objective criteria, what does objective criteria mean? That means the individual's blood work, tissue samples, things of that nature. So when somebody does a comprehensive evaluation of the host, that's the individual, the person, and brings these tools to the table, and brings it with compassion, then we know that we have something that probably works. But there's no one-off. If someone says acupuncture will cure cancer, that's, that doesn't make sense. Acupuncture can be helpful in certain respects, but it takes research. There's no one perfect list anywhere of doctors and therapeutic experts in this realm that everyone can go to. So you need to be careful about people who say they have the cure for cancer, have something that's going to be helpful. But we shouldn't dismiss the fact there are lots of things that can be profoundly beneficial that help save lives beyond the standard of care and inclusive of, integratively, the standard of care. Your book is filled with, well, there are 20 case studies of of patients who have been told either they have terminal cancer or they are late-term cancer patients. In some cases, they've been told, go home, get your affairs in order. There's nothing more to be done. Tell us about Elizabeth. Sure. Okay. You're talking about, I think, Elizabeth Pankey? Yes. Okay. Let me just see if I have any notes regarding Elizabeth. Can you bear with me one second? Absolutely. Yes. The book, again, is Hope Never dies. Sure. Okay. Elizabeth Pankey. Elizabeth Pankey had ovarian and uterine cancer with metastasis to the stomach. She was told at one point, you don't have more than a few weeks, maybe two months to live. And Elizabeth is now retired and living happily uh, in Ohio. Elizabeth was born in Poland in 1950. She was a very accomplished individual. She was a medical doctor, she was, had a Ph.D. in experimental pathology, master's degree in physical therapy, and she was a molecular biology expert and an expert in DNA. She had a deep, deep scientific background. In June of 1999, during a gynecological exam, Elizabeth's doctor discovered minor irregular bleeding. In late June, an ultrasound revealed a large tumor on Elizabeth's ovary. And on July 6th, her doctor informed her she had stage 3 ovarian and uterine cancer, which had now spread to the abdomen. Elizabeth said, I was shocked. I was so angry. Why did this happen to me? 
Elizabeth continued and said, one week after my diagnosis, a surgeon removed my ovaries, my uterus, and any visible cancer. I went with the standard chemotherapy for my type of cancer two weeks after surgery. They said the chemo would probably take care of the problem. Elizabeth said, I lost all my hair. I was getting Taxol and Carboplatin, took nausea medication, and continued to work. The experience was strenuous. She said, my cancer grew aggressively despite the chemo. I developed a tumor in my spleen. A gallon of malignant fluid was pulled out of my abdomen every five days, a full gallon. Wow. I tried another chemo drug, but nothing good happened. Elizabeth traveled to five prestigious cancer centers throughout the United States. She said, I had metastatic cancer. Two different kinds of chemotherapy didn't work, and the cancer was spreading. They didn't know what to do. Elizabeth then said, at this point in October of 1999, several cancer doctors told me I needed to face reality. It was doubtful that I would make it until Christmas. I was in disbelief, angry, upset, and desperate. I had heard of chemosensitivity testing. I inquired about it, but all of the cancer centers said it didn't work, yet I needed to take action immediately. I was dying, and I had no time to waste. Elizabeth continues and said, I wasn't giving up. I searched the internet and found Dr. Robert Nagurney's website. He's an oncologist who also operates a chemosensitivity, a chemosensitivity laboratory in Long Beach, California. I got him on the phone and was very impressed with his opinions and research. I immediately investigated everything he said and decided to send him a fresh sample of my ascites. The ascites was the liquid that they were pulling out of her stomach. Right, right. Then Elizabeth said, Dr. Nagurney gave me hope. Within a few days, he called me and said, I have a combination that is making the cancer cells just melt away. I flew to California and saw Dr. Nagurney the very next day. He drew malignant cells from my abdomen and then injected the chemo into my abdomen directly at the tumors. He wanted direct contact. No other doctor had recommended this procedure. I was anxious but hopeful. He also injected the personalized chemo cocktail into my vein. Then for my second treatment, he drew the fluid out, only about a quart, not a gallon. It looked like the malignant cells were beat up. After the second treatment, which was, which was just three weeks into my chemo treatment, there was no more fluid to withdraw. By Christmas, there was no evidence of cancer cells in my body confirmed by scans. I was supposed to be dead by Christmas, but instead, my cancer cells were dead. I informed the major cancer centers that I had visited of my wonderful out outcome, the fact that the cancer was gone. To my dismay, all I had to say was, lady, you are lucky. Since my successful treatments, I came to accept what is and enjoy the moments in life. I don't have all the answers. My role is to do the best I can in my life every day. You must want to live. I find that cancer patients who do the best become self-advocates who direct their own therapies versus just going along with their doctors. People should not lose hope. Keep searching. Follow your heart. So that is Elizabeth, and, and she would be called a statistical outlier. She beat the odds. Well, she might be called that, but in my opinion, her survival is based on rational science. Dr. Robert Nagurney is one of two doctors I'm aware of in the United States who have this profoundly unique chemosensitivity test 
where they test the actual tissue sample of the individual against 15, 16 different chemos and chemo combinations. They don't go with just the off-the-shelf generic methodology used for different um, cancers. For example, there's the National Comprehensive Cancer Network in this country, which your conventional doctors utilize. It is a consortium of 27 of the top cancer centers in the nation, and they make recommendations about what chemo to use for different types of cancer. But frequently, they don't work. So how could you get more personalized than using the actual tissue sample of the individual than something off the shelf? Off the shelf is not personalized. It's not customized. So you could call her an outlier. Certainly, people will. But Dr. Nagurni has had tremendous success in this area because he utilizes a test attuned to the individual. But she's doing wonderful. Many years later, <clears throat> she was told by five cancer centers she had two months to live back in October of 1999. So then, uh, Rick, why isn't progressive chemotherapy part of the standard of care? It's, <clears throat> unfortunately, great mono big monolithic industrial complexes move glacially slowly. And they don't buy in to a lot of novel treatments and therapies. It, it's hard to explain why. Although Harvard University recently did a test on Nagurney's work and said that what he does works. But it, it's, change moves at a glacial pace. And it, it's, it's terrible that a lot of these therapies that may be considered novel or not part of conventional care are not utilized. It's hard for me to explain why. Because I, I know of oncologists who say that Nagurney may be the most brilliant oncologist in the country. And I've seen Nagurney speak at conferences. I've talked to him one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, he wrote a chapter in my book. And the man is brilliant. But hopefully his type of chemosensitivity testing will be accepted in the years to come. I want to talk about other case studies uh, in the next hour. As we approach the break, though, I just want to touch on a couple of things here. And one is, let's talk statistics and how relevant are statistics. So, for example, when a doctor says you have a 20% chance to live another two years or you have three to six months to live. What, is that, what does that really mean? Are they relevant? In my opinion, they are not relevant. Uh, these are statistics that are based on tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, in, of people. And statistics are, concern large groups. They don't concern individuals. So when somebody is told they have cancer, and they go through the standard of care, chemo, radiation, and or surgery, and it doesn't work, and the cancer progresses, and the cancer metastasizes. That's what most people do. They utilize standard of care. But there are those who say, you know what, there's got to be some other things out there. And if you can find other treatments and therapies, sophisticated individuals who bring other treatments and therapies to the table, and progressive chemo, whether it's chemosensitivity testing like this, combined with a particular type of uh, distribution methodology and things to mitigate toxicity, which is not what standard of care utilizes, then you can enhance your chances dramatically. Now, let me be honest. There's no guarantees in life. There's no guarantees with cancer. There is no silver bullet. But standard of care utilizes the silver bullet approach. 
go kill the cancer, and, and you'll be okay. But that really is not reality because lots of times cancer comes back with a vengeance. But regarding statistics, you got a 20% chance to live. Really, you're an, again, you're an individual. How you approach things individually is different how the masses approach things. And when a doctor says to you, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do, I would assume, and I don't have statistics to prove this, but I would assume most people say, well, the doctor said you've only got two months to live. Uh, you know, we need to get our affairs in order. But there's a subset of people out there, thousands, because I've met about 500, who can find other therapies that are on the cutting edge, that may be 20 years ahead of the curve. And the science frequently is 10, 15, and 20 years ahead of what cl- clinicians, in other words, doctors, prescribe to individuals. And if we can find, and you can find sophisticated doctors who are ahead of the curve, who will implement these therapies, you can save your life, lengthen your life, enhance quality of life many times. Not always, but many, many times. Standard of care is too rigid. It's, it's flawed because it's very narrow-minded. It's myopic, and there's other things we can bring to the table. So don't let that pronouncement, that fatalistic pronouncement, to send you to your bed, to draw the blinds, put your pillow, your, your head under the pillow. There is hope. I'm here to tell you there's hope because I've, I've been to so many conferences and talked to experts around the planet um, who are treating people and saving lives. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.